Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. real trouble here, although they're lucky to get that loose ball. Gibbs with the thrust. Robert Jones, nicely out to Emir Lewis. Emir Lewis is shifting up, goes Yayan Evans. Yayan Evans is away. Can the cap, Welsh captain make it? He's going to do it. And it's a try for Wales. And the Welsh captain has scored his eighth and his 33rd. Welcome to another episode of the Attacking Scrum podcast. Wales are one game away from the Grand Slam and who'd have thought we'd have been saying that at the start of this uh and joining me are the men who've been with me the whole of this Six Nations journey it's the mighty Murph how are you Murph good mate thanks yeah waiting for the jam slam oh we're all waiting for the jam slam and uh the the man who believed all along and the man who is very much the epitome of the daffodil hat wearing pink (laughs) pink cowboy hat uh fair weather contributor to this podcast it's dan killick hi dan yeah <laughs> thanks for that jed lovely at the intro i'm very good yeah yeah really good right i'm i'm going to jump straight into this boys because we've had some questions coming from listeners uh, as we always do particularly after the internationals this one uh well we've yeah we've had basically the same question from robin and from paul price grand slam yes or no murph um well, I mean, yes, and I mean, you know, I, I got serious doubts about our ability to beat France away. You've got to say yes now, because I mean, I, I, there's no point in this. The way this championship's gone for us, there's no point in doubting anymore, is there? Even when we're, you know, probably a little bit outgunned against Ireland and what have you, someone gets sent off and we win anyway. So, um, you know, you just got to say yes and uh, fingers crossed next week. Done. Yes, it's, um, I suppose the hesitation from me and Murph not both jumping in is uh, probably <laughs> says a lot, doesn't it? It's, it's on, but it's, it's going to be a difficult game, isn't it? Um, but I, yeah, I, fa- I, do, I do think we can do it. I think we can do it, yeah. What about you? I think it helps massively that France have lost, if I'm honest. I think that, you know, it's if a, a slam or even a potential slam is on the line for them, I just think the intensity level is that much higher. Yes, they'll be looking to come back and bounce back and avenge the an event's defeat. But I do think it helps that they've lost. Uh, I, I do, and um, that will give us that will give us a good chance. I wasn't one of these going into the game where they played England, thinking, "Oh, we could win it on points difference or any of this bollocks." Like it's slam or nothing, isn't it? Like you can't you can't go into the final game and go, "Oh, we've lost by six points, but we still won the title." Like that's the English way of winning it. You don't, you know, that doesn't count. <laughs> if you go into the final game with a slam on the line and you win the title, but don't win the slam, you, you know, the, the title is a real consolation prize in those scenarios, isn't it? And you tell me any of those players uh, would come out and, you know, be, be ecstatic about lifting the trophy. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just all about the slam and how brilliant to them, you know, that they've got themselves into this position where one get one game away from doing it, one 
really good performance away from doing it. And I think that's the big if is I've still like that. Actually, I thought they were really, really professional yesterday. Wales, in fact, probably the best performance I've seen from a Wales side in Rome since 05, maybe. I think it's probably better than any of Gatland's efforts out there, other than the one where we we did we did put a load on them, didn't we, one year? Yeah, um, when we needed to score a bucket load of points and we just That's right. Yeah, that's right. So it's it's probably um, you know, that one and 05 are the are the ones where we've gone to Rome and done a convincing job. Because a lot of the time it's been you know, it's been pretty turgid stuff out there. And but yes, they 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 just had it in the bag and they were really clinical and ruthless and played some nice stuff. So there was plenty in there. Italy are poor. I don't think there's any denying that then. But they've got good players, you know. Yeah. Um, I think so, they just need a, a defence coach myself, proper defence coach, because they, they have got a style of play going on and their set-piece can work at times, but they're just leaking points all over the place. Uh, I mean, I don't know I don't know what but what the situation is with Franco Smith, whether he's under pressure for his job or what have you. But I would break the bank on, I don't know who's around, but I'd break the bank on a top defence coach and they'd, they're not going to suddenly start winning the tournament, but they're going to stop being the whipping boys, especially, I mean, well, they're averaging 40-odd points a game. And they haven't won a game in seven years, you know. Yeah, and look, I, or in my, you know, I can't remember them looking like winning a game during that time. There, there probably is a couple of occasions where they come close, but that's, uh, yeah. Well, at it, the moment, just losing by 20 would be a start. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think they could do that by by being a lot more tactical. They could half... They could half the points that they're losing by, couldn't they? By by being wiser, because they're playing more rugby. But I think because they're playing more rugby, they're they're making more errors, aren't they? Yeah, I, I and you know it will be um it will be a bit of a slow pro uh, a bit of slow progress, I imagine. But the thing is, I think the frustrating thing from their point of view is that they have got real good young talent in there, and we've seen the under twenties go well. And I think it was the right at the start of the tournament that Franco Smith said the frustrating thing is. Is it going from under twenties to international is such a big jump that you almost you need some stepping stone in between. And um, but I think you know it's not like we're going to see promotional relegation anytime anytime soon. So they're going to be there, and and I just hope they make progress because it would be so much better to watch games that you know they're going to be competitive in. Because right now they don't look like taking any of the any of the sides even to the last twenty minutes of a game. No, I mean the thing is I, I I'm not. I'm not down with this uh, promotion relegation thing because they proved at the World Cup they're better than all the other tier two teams. Mm. They, whenever they play Georgia, they win. Not you know they don't hammer them, but they always win. In they've never they haven't lost. I can't, I don't know what the history is between the two nations, but I can't remember them ever losing a game to Georgia. So anyone who says Georgia should be in, you know, maybe it'll take off in that country and maybe you know like it did initially when it, Italy started and they had a good side and they were winning games mm. regular. Maybe that would give Georgia a bounce. I, I, I don't know. But anyone who says Georgia should be in now doesn't realise that Italy beat them all the time. Yeah, I think the only the only argument is one on meritocracy, that you say that the bottom team has to face a playoff against the top from that, that side. But, I mean, there's that it's not going to happen, let's be honest. It's not going to happen. A, the, the gulf is still too big. I mean, imagine Georgia in some of those, in some of these games. Like, it would be so turgid and horrible to watch. And and they and they'd still lose every game anyway. So a the the golf is really really big. But like again, b when this Six Nations is getting more and more commercial, and we've seen it this week with CVC finally announcing their their introduction into that into that tournament. I mean, just imagine a, a fluke year where Scotland or Wales or Ireland or England got relegated. You know, it would it would hammer them commercially. So it's just it's just not going to happen. I don't think so. Uh, it's pointless talking about it. Well, we spent we spent a good five minutes talking about Italy there, which I wasn't uh, anticipating doing. But um, but yeah, anyway, there we go. Um, what uh, stood out for you though, Dan? Any um, any particular facets of play that that caught your eye in the, the victory over Italy? Yeah, I thought it was a really impressive performance. First half was was exceptional. First twenty was was right up there with some of the best rugby I think we've seen from you know from Wales. Yes, Italy were poor, but you know, we've struggled against them, as you as you pointed out earlier. We struggled against them regularly, haven't we? Um, to make it to make a good game of it, and we were just we were just really on the money. I thought, you know, we were trying things as well, kind of like you know, kind of like what New Zealand do in some of the lesser games. Um, we took our tries, scoring tries for fun, aren't we? And 
yeah. you know, looking yeah. looking really good with it as well. And the forwards, you know, the forwards play is just almost like revolutionary, really, isn't it? Lineouts going so well, set piece. I mean, our uh, our sort of driving, you know, our driving lineout play is is something to. No. You just got to work. You just got to bow down to it. Really, it's 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 phenomenal. It just makes everything so much easier. So, yeah, I thought first forty was was a real masterclass, and then the second second half was a little bit scrappy, but to be expected. Really, I think a lot a big part of that is concentration. I know we we made the changes, but I think we've made changes and we've got better in in other games. I think it's concentration when you when you're winning the game that comfortably, you just slow you just switch off naturally. Um, Murph is running an inside line, screaming for the ball here. So yeah. uh, let's, let's let's sling it over. I'm to popping the big it up man. to you now, Murph. Here we go. <laughs> There's a couple of things I, I got excited over. You said there. One was the driven lineout. That we never had one under Gatland. No. I think the only time it was ever useful was when every back in the in the team joined in. So uh, the fact that it was n- never a thing under Gatland, it must have been ignored. It must have been something he wasn't bothered with, but. Now it's developed into such a weapon. You, you did, it's that type of thing where you can grind through games when the backs are not going well, and you know, and it's just easy, easy points. Like you know what I mean. Uh, the other one was that you mentioned the uh, the try scoring and the clinical nature of it all. There was two disallowed. Uh, they would have, they would have been given against the English. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And who says who says we get all the luck? Eh? Who says we get all the luck? I mean, the yeah. one was only a yard forward. I, I mean, know one was a yard forward, and his and uh, yeah, and it was you know his foot grazes the the, <laughs> the, the touchline there. But the other the other thing I wanted to bring up, I think I've covered all, all I want to say about the Italy game. Really, is uh, Corey Hill almost scored the try of the tournament. Short. It was like it seemed to be like three completely speculative offloads. Just like there might be someone there, I'm just going to throw it. Yeah, kind of thing. And they all went to hand. The next thing you know, Corey Hill is. I don't know. You've caught like a yard short of the line, but that would have been properly on the show reel of someone if that had, if that had been uh, scored. The yeah, that's a good. Yeah. Oh, so I was just going to say, if I was going to take the inside ball back off you again now, because it's kind of <laughs> like this is kind of a little bit like the Welsh play yesterday, isn't it? The offloading I thought was mm-hmm. was re- was really impressive. We were obviously listening to you know listening to the calls, had the confidence as well, just to pop it back inside and. You know, I'm sure, obviously we'll move on to the to to next weekend's game, but I think the offloading is going to be key against you know key against France. And it was just so good, you know, so good to see, wasn't it? Um, we were catching them, making it so difficult. You mentioned Corey Hill there. I thought he had an outstanding game, really, yeah. really clever game from him. He is such a good player. Like <laughs> I know I bang on about it so much, and I'm still in love with him. But he's so good. Like it's just, he's. He's worked so hard to just get better and better and better. And, you know, when he was when he was released by Cardiff and came to the Dragons, it, you know, it would have been very easy to to sit there in mediocrity. But when he got that, when he got that first call up to Wales, he's worked harder and harder and harder. And it's all about that attitude and leadership. And Gatland rated him really highly. And, you know, obviously Cardiff were desperate to get him back. But I, I just don't think he disappoints at the international level. I think I think he's he's such an underrated player in international rugby. I really, really do think he's a, a class act. Um, that performance uh, by him means he'll stay in the twenty-three. Adam Beard will oh, yeah. come back and he'll stay in the twenty-three, and that means that was probably Jake Ball's last game for Wales yesterday. Yeah, it's fiftieth as well, wasn't it? So yeah, nice, was, nice way to finish, really. Yeah, it is, and I mean, actually, so it's a bit of a mad situation, isn't it? That he's, you know, he's, um, you know, obviously he's got basically got to curtail his uh, his Wales career to go and and meet his latest child. Um, so yeah. it's a bit, yeah, it's a, it's a strange one, but yeah, good, a good sign off for him. But I mean, these things are just such a polar contrast to where we were in the autumn when the line out wasn't firing. We were looking at second rows going, God, you know, why is no one, why is it not working? And why can't we have a decent set of piece? And all of these things are clicking now. And it's one big performance away from, from a grand slam. I know. Mental. <laughs> <laughs> you just can't, you just, it's just Welsh rugby, isn't it? You, we've done it loads of times, you know, in the, uh, do we come off of uh, being, well, the first, the first season of Gatland dumped out of the World Cup by Fiji. Straight into the Grand Slam, and well, and hammered by England in that first half. 
as well and lucky to stay in the game. What were we, 12 points down at halftime? Very lucky to stay in the game at that Only point. Only away, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, away at Twickenham and then and then the second half comeback. And then after that got better and better. But, but this is it, is, you know, as much as we were moaning, or certainly I was moaning, I think Murph was joining in, uh, in, you know, in weeks one and two, it's always been about what you can do to back it up. And even the England game, huge slices of fortune. But that bit of form that I saw in the last 20 against England, that's the bit that leads you to believe that this side can go on and do things. Yesterday, yeah, fine. They they slotted Italy, who were you know were pretty lackluster, and they they looked good doing it. I think they had a lot of fun chucking the ball around and and scoring that many tries. Who wouldn't? But yeah, I mean, again, the acid test comes against France. If they can pull together a really big performance, showing the best pieces that we've seen in that last twenty against England, and some of those offloads you saw against Italy, then, geez, it's uh, it's on big time. I'm I'm really interested to see what uh, what tactics we go with against against the French as well, because I. I think yesterday, again, I know you know Italy. Italy didn't play badly, but we went out. We came out of the block so well, didn't we? We were we were so quick with everything. There was a real intensity and speed and dynamism to everything we did that it just really shocked the Italians. And quite often we've come up, we've we come out against them fairly slowly, and then let them sort of come into the game a little bit. It's been oh god, you know, another another classic sort of Wales Italy game. How many times have we said that? Yeah, but we, yeah, yeah. we we were just really up for it, weren't we? Really positive with the play, we, and we're very good at getting dragged onto their level in the past. Yeah, um, we have been, haven't we? Yeah, just didn't happen yesterday. So it was. It's like you know, as you know, I like a forced sporting metaphor in here, and I think playing against Italy a load of times, it's been like a heavyweight boxing bout where Italy have yeah, like you say, have dragged you into a really nerdly lots of <laughs> lots of clinches and rabbit punches and. And, and you can't really express yourself. And yesterday just went out and blitzed them with really fast jabs and hooks from round, you know, from round one. And they're on the back foot and they never recovered. You know, if that if that was boxing, the ref would have stopped it after 15 minutes. It's good to have a boxing analogy on a, the weekend that Marvin Hagler suddenly died. Mate, I hadn't even heard that. Yeah, really sad. Yeah. 66. I thought he was older than 66. Oh, Marvel, legally, his name was Marvin Mar- Marvis Hagler. Yeah. It genuinely changed that. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Oh God! I, and he I, was marvelous, properly marvelous. I mean, the proper heyday of all boxing, I would say. Well, probably a historian would know better. But in that period, why are we talking about boxing? Yeah. Also, that period with Hagler, Hearns, and Sugary Robinson, even you know, like the blokes below them would probably dominate now. Like there was people like Alan Minter and uh, was it a Welsh guy who fought him? Or was that after? Anyway. Let's go six or six or three, six or something I know. (laughs) This is the beauty of doing a podcast where we sit here drinking beer is you can wander off on these little... I mean, imagine a radio producer listening to this. Why are you you talking about boxing? I'll be out of my ass. I'm going to drink. I'm going to drink. You two have. I'm gone. (laughs) Oh, there we go. But anyway, yeah, I think it's, um, it's, it's probably about... The only other thing I wanted to touch on from the Italy game, because... I'm just getting more and more obsessed with this kid is like Lewis Reesamit looks like a school kid who is just that much better than, or that much quicker than everyone else on the pitch. Like it, it is like he's been drafted in for, do you know what? It reminds me of Nigel Walker when Nigel Walker played some of those games for Cardiff. When you go, you know, we said about Lewis Reesamit, he's got sprinters pace. Nigel Walker was a genuine Olympic hurdler. You know, he had, and he, and Lewis Reesamit looks that much quicker than international players 25 years later it's incredible he took the ball facing his own try line pirouetted and coasted him for that try without needing to hit top gear the guy is the guy's nuts Nigel Walker actually looked like he was hurdling when he was running though didn't he (laughs) (laughs) that's the that's the difference (laughs) he he seems to be uh Lurie Summit now he seems to be easing down all the time yeah he does he he gets going and then it's like it's effortless after that he's just just coasting the whole way. And people are getting further away from him as he's easing down, if you know what I mean. As he's cruising up to the line with about 30 yards to go, he's taking his foot off, but everyone is still trailing away in his wake. So, yeah, I, I, I think in commentary, they had said something that would be interesting to see if he actually had to push it. I, I would you know, be. Someone that, actually pushed him that he had to run properly. I think, oh, I can't remember who it was. Someone said he did, he, he, we haven't seen him in fifth gear yet. 
Yeah, yeah, I think I think it might be Miles Harrison, wouldn't it? But it's exactly it's exactly that. And while we're forcing the uh, the chat about other sports, it's like <laughs> it's like he's you know you know the the heat in the Olympics when you're going through, and mm. you see that one sprinter in there who's that much quicker than everyone else in the heats, and you've got you know a Dutch athlete in third who's busting a gut to get through as as fastest loser, and Lewis Rizamet is there easing up running sub 20 times in a in a 200 meters he's he's oh what an athlete what an athlete he is yeah he's got like a uh, like choppy sort of a strider reminds me of like um oh god michael johnson he, he, he was all kind of um very upright yeah yeah very and all uh what's the word i'm looking for all heels. He wasn't raising his knees very high, like you know, you might might see with uh, chariots of fire or something like that, training <laughs> on the beach and all that. But you, you know a, that style. A, there's a reference for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, another one for the kids. Yeah, um, yeah. You get you get you just got a, a choppy stride. So maybe that's one of the reasons why he doesn't look like he's flat out all the time. I don't know, but um, he said. I mean, you could tell he, he'd be naturally quick, whatever. But he, he, also. He, in, in this era, he's had all the conditioning put into him and the sprint training and whatever else they do. And he just, he just, just look like when he stood still, he looks like he can shift. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's just that it's, he's so, he's so quick off the mark that he can take a ball facing his own try line, pirouette, bang, he's away. I just, yeah, absolutely fascinated with him. Right. We've got heaps more to talk about and uh, we're going to do that. But first we're going to take a very, very quick break. Right, boys, going to throw to another listener's question now. And uh, while we're talking about a bit of X-Factor talent with regards to uh, Lewis Reese zamet we have had this question in from Jonathan Davis. Is George North really our X-Factor outside centre? I, I thought he was spectacular again. I think he looks he looks, he looks looks like the George of old to me. What, um, what do you reckon, Dan? Yeah, he's playing really well, isn't he? Um, I I think he's playing some of the best rugby we've seen from him in all honesty and in a position where it's really difficult you know it's such a it's such a difficult move for him to come in for him to come in the centre and he's making it he's making it look easy I've I, you know it sounds a little harsh but I'm almost I'm expecting him to make make an error um, particularly sort of you know defensively and he hasn't made one yet um, or you know he hasn't made a uh, you know a, a significant one. He's he's his reads with um, with Jonathan on on the weekend. I thought were fantastic because it's not easy to do that, is it? It's it's a new center center partnership. They look really really comfortable together. But also, I think that they're only going to get better as well as as that goes on. And again, we've got to we've got to take our hats off to the coaches, haven't we, for make for making a really really bold you know, bold change there, which, you know, has been questioned and, you know, probably a lot of other coaches wouldn't have made it and they've made it. And, you know, Pivak, Stephen Jones, they've, they've done it. And yeah, it was, he looks, he looks, he looks really sharp and he looks to be enjoying his rugby, doesn't he? Looks so comfortable. There's been a flirtation in the past, hasn't it? We've all thought like, you know, we've seen glimpses. I don't know if you remember, there was a game about 2014 in the autumn um yeah awesome 2014 against australia where he went to 13 like early on in the second half and he terrorized them he gave them a real you know a, a real hard um ride obviously we lost but um you know he, he looked to, to give their defense a real a real tough time and the whole time i've been thinking god you know if you just harness that with george north at 13 but I, like many others, thought, oh, well, that ship sailed, you know, just yeah, keep him on the wing, keep him where he's playing well, and and hopefully he'll get back to a bit of form. I, you know, I think I think he's looked spectacular at 13. What do you reckon, Murph? Yeah, um, well, I, I never thought he had the hands for 13. There's a, um, but he's disproved that this season. And, and I think one of the criticisms, criticisms of him when he was playing on the wing was that he would kind of, disappear in games and go quiet and not be involved enough well that's cured now because he's he's in the middle of it all the time and uh 
I think we're also within transition a little bit from the end of like Hadley Parks and Jonathan Davis as a partnership. So I, I don't know if Jonathan Davis is going to be long term as 12. I don't think even like he's always hated it. He's never mm. wanted to play 12. Um, so, but it could be the, it could be the situation where he's got no choice now because I don't know if he's physically what he was after two massive knee problems. Yeah. So it could be because uh, George is only obviously 28. It could be that he's there for a few more seasons, but it might be that Jonathan Davis isn't. So we'll see. I, I mean, I don't know. Willis Halaholo is there as well now, so we'll uh, we'll see. But they, I mean, they're both going to start next week. I do, I do feel like there's a lot more option now within the centres, and you know, I mean, obviously, George has all has been an international quality player since the moment he set foot on a, a pitch. You know, two tries in his debut, and he's you know he he looked completely at home. But the fact that he's able to kind of take that into thirteen, and I think this, you know, I think that will be the long term position for him. And yeah. um, well, well I, what I didn't get around to saying was he wouldn't get in the side as a winger now. No, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. So, you, you know, if he doesn't get in a 13, you uh, probably would make the bench either. Because when you, well, no, he would make the bench these days because he covers two positions. He covers two, yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, I he probably doesn't get on as a winger. So um, that's where his future is, I think. I think um, also with George North as well, it's just by having him in the side, in the centre, it's making it changes the way in which the other sides have to have to face us mm. because because if he takes the ball he's a serious threat you know on the outside and the inside and he he if he doesn't take the ball he sucks in players as well so he's he's a really difficult to, person to defend with the ball but also without the ball and i think it's really it's really benefiting uh wales at the moment plus you add in then the dominance that our forward packs have in He's getting he's getting he's getting a ball in space, and if he if he has a little bit of a run up, he's away, isn't he? He so, is, but beautifully as well, Dan. Like for so long, I think we saw George just running to contact so much because obviously he's a big physical guy and he can break tackles. But when he's playing his best rugby, like particularly around like 2012, 13, he was looking to hit space, and if he hits, like you say, if he hits, um. If he just gets a little bit around the outside of you, you're not stopping him because not only is he really strong, he's such a brilliantly balanced runner that, in fact, like he looks a lot more graceful when he runs than Lewis Rees Samet does. Like he looks like a, you know, he his feet like graze the they graze the floor, and yeah, he moves so if well. You don't get him; his his handoff will, will keep you miles away, and and that's the thing that I'm really pleased with. He's looking for space. He's looking to get round people, and like Murph said, he's he's got you know some some offloads and some passes to him. So yeah, I, I think he's, you know, to say it's only, a, I don't know, maybe it's like the 10th game he started at 13 in his international career. And we've got, we've got a good few years of him. Yeah. It's, it's a very exciting prospect. Interesting to see if he moves there for his club. <laughs> well, it is actually. And they're not, sh- the thing is that the Ospreys, they're not short of centers actually, are they? Yeah. I mean, like yeah. Kieran Williams looks a really good prospect at 12. Owen Watkin plays 12 and 13. And- Gian Thomas Wheeler. T and Thomas Wheeler. Um, they, are, they are short of wingers. <laughs> they are short of wingers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, maybe we'll see Hanno Dirksen on the wing again and, uh, <laughs> and, and George will be pushed inside <laughs> playing for another contract. Um, but yeah, I know I've been, I've been really impressed with George. I think he's looked, uh, he's looked great. Let's stick with the centres. This one is from Gareth Davis. Uh, with France seemingly weaker in the last 20 minutes, is there any changes uh, to the starters would you consider Halaholo starting with North coming on fresh, for example? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't entertain dropping North out of the, the 15. You boys? No, it's, it's too much experience to give away by bringing in Willis, even even if he's setting the world alight. He's still in a, such a big game, you'd probably still go with the experienced guy. And he, at the moment, he's doing wonders off the bench. So, it's, I mean, it's again, it's a, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Obviously, Adam Beard probably comes back. And who else did they change? There was another change in the so you, team. You, yeah, you, you might have a choice of scrum off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, that would probably stay the same. Maybe Thomas Williams makes the bench, but um, you just get in a position where you don't need you don't need to fix anything. So uh, it, going forward, you know, over time, then I think Halaholo might end up as a regular twelve, but um, not for next week. It's just, it's there's no point. Daniel, yeah, I wouldn't change. 
I wouldn't change the the start any, any of the uh, uh, any of the centers really for for Halahola to start. I'd keep him keep him on the bench, pressures off him. Then when he comes on, and you 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 know you know he's going to make he's going to make some sort of a contribution, isn't he? When he comes when he comes on, but um, no, for me, keep it exactly exactly the same in that in the center partnership there. All right, let's stick with uh, with team selection because for me, actually, it's pretty straightforward. But let's field this one from Robert Giannotti. If Thomas Williams is fit next week, does he come straight back into the starting lineup or has Gareth Davis done enough? Murph, you're a man who watches Gareth Davis like a hawk. <laughs> Do I? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. No, I know you are. And that's it. You... Um, you know, you've often you've often banged the drum and said, you know, just how big an impact he made at, at the 2019 World Cup. Yeah. And um, what, yeah, what do you think? Is it, you know, is, I, th- I thought he had a much a much better game than he's had for a while, actually, for either club or country. Yeah, well, I mean, whatever uh, you think of the way he played on Saturday, he's the only one who's fit. <laughs> so, um, like, like you know, Lloyd Williams came in. Uh, and like I say, if Thomas Williams is uh, even if Tom, Thomas Williams is fit, is there any point in rushing him back? So um, no, there's not. And you know, if if Thomas had, had stayed fit for like the first three games and had put in great performances, you know, yeah. and I thought actually started, I thought he was quite bright in that first half against Ireland. But then pulling a hammy then and and sitting out the next uh, the next three games, it's not like he's been able to put together a, a clear run of form. So. I think I think you have to go Gareth Davis with Thomas off the bench, Dan. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it would almost be madness to 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 start to change the nine. I really do. Um, I'm disappointed that 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 Hardy's not there. Um, I think that's a real shame. But yeah, uh, you know Gareth to, to to start for me for sure. I've got to say, I've got no idea who Gatlin's going to pick as a, as nines for his uh, tour, whenever it happens. I mean, there is there is a bit of a development on that front, Murph. I don't know if you saw those uh, those screen grabs doing the round of a provisional tour in the UK uh, that that seemed to be around on Twitter on Friday afternoon. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the more I hear, the more they might well be genuine. Actually, I think that's certainly a. I think it's becoming the favourite. Uh, yeah. outcome but it when when it happens again I still can't because the injuries and the form book and the transition of people like Conor Murray being phased out of the Irish team and uh, I mean Ben Young's <laughs> probably goes and starts the tests after what I've said about him uh, I, I, I just can't work out to, I mean who is the form nine in the tournament uh, um, I tell you what. I, I, again, actually, I haven't, as um, as we said before on air. I oh, know the four nine. Sorry, it's Antoine, Antoine Dupont, but he doesn't qualify. So, <laughs> so just, just to make sure we're on the right page, he is clearly the best nine in the tournament, but he's not. He can't play for the British Lions, unfortunately. I um, I tell you who I've been impressed with up until this point um, in the tournament, and I haven't seen the Scotland game today uh, for re- various boring reasons, but. Uh, is our mate Tommy Price slash Tommy. Ali Price? Yeah. Um, how did uh, how did he go today? I th- I thought in a couple of the games, you know, the Wales and, and England game, I thought he advanced his claims quite drastically. Actually, how um, how did he fare today? Uh, do you want to take that down on me? Yeah, I, you take that, man. He, he was okay. I, he I wouldn't necessarily say I'll play Jameson Gibson Park though, and he did, compared to other. Uh, nines in the tournament he doesn't actually make that many meters he doesn't make many line breaks but he is he's busy and tactically good I mean Ben Young's makes more breaks that's all I'm saying <laughs> um, yeah like the, for, that's why what I just said there is why I can't work out who's going like, ben, ben Young's will go for sure and yeah. and I think realistically Gareth Davis has an opportunity next week to cement his place as well yeah. and all it takes is one of those I mean I don't know how many times I've watched Gareth Davis play rugby and I've been slagging him off for 20 minutes going that's brainless that kick this is so dull and then you make a break out of nothing and score a try or you make an intercept and score a try that wins the match in the first half you know he is he is a he is a big game player and I, I do think that sometimes we don't give him credit for, no. for how many how many big performances he's put in what, what what you said there? He's done this season against uh, Scotland. Was Scotland at home in the first, second round, where we had a 
was that Ireland? I can't remember which game. Anyway, we had Ireland at home, round one, Scotland away, round two. Yeah, and it, yeah, all he had to do was keep possession, kicked it away, and ended up playing five minutes after the. That was Ireland, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he, he's prone to you know a brain fart, as it were. Mm. But um, you know. But again, you know, Gatlin rates him. You know, he rates him for yeah. sure, and he he knows he plays in big games. Um, as much as I've been, as I was saying, I've been impressed by Ali Price. I, again, Gatlin looks Gatlin looks at form at the in in big big games, and Gareth Davis has got stacks of it. Australia World Cup last year, uh, South Africa in the World Cup in 2015, England in the World Cup in 2015. Mm-hmm. The guy doesn't tend to bottle big moments. He you know he puts in big big performances. And um, and so I wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, to see him on the tour if he has a big game against France. You know, we know he's got we know he's got big match winning performances in him. Outside of that, again, I think Jameson Gibson Park's got a sniff. I think again, not having seen his performance today, but I think he's the kind of player Gatlin likes. You know, he's uh, uh, he's combative. He's got good all round skills. He's a Kiwi. He's got lots. He's got lots going for him. I think. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him in the mix. And then, yeah, I, you know, I think I think Ben Youngs will definitely be on the the plane or the bus or whatever or the or the bio secure <laughs> yeah. bubble, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, what are, are going to call it? I don't know. They're going to call it on the on the train. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or or driving his own car to the match <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. to the venue, driving separate from everyone else in a bubble to the game. Yeah, there we go. We've still got a couple more questions to get through as well. Let's have a look at this one from Maidley Academy, Duke of Edinburgh. I don't know if this is related to Richard Maidley or not. Let's assume for the sake of this, it is. Um, We hope, of course, that Wales win the Grand Slam next Saturday. But if that doesn't happen, how annoying is it that France-Scotland game has to be decided to decide who comes on top? Uh, I mean, I've had my thoughts on that. I, you know... I'd, I'd, I'd actually rather a week where I can watch a game of rugby that um, that, it, that decides whether we get the consolation prize or not. That gives us that gives me something to play for the following week, if you see what I mean. Because um, mm. I just think it's it's just all about the slam, isn't it, Dan? Yeah, it is. But I mean, whatever whatever happens, we take it, wouldn't we? From where we were, it's just it's just incredible. I mean. I, uh, it really is astonishing, isn't it? Where where we find ourselves at the moment, and yeah, look, I I you know I really want the slam, of course I do, but it's just so you you've got to admit there's a great feel good factor around, isn't there now? And so much competition for places. We seem to be. I think one of the most exciting things is as well we haven't put in the complete performance yet. I, I don't feel anyway. And we seem to we be getting. De- we definitely haven't. We haven't played yeah, we... a complete performance with all the games combined, I think, which is you know, which is amazing to be four from four, and that's it. That's yeah. that, that's I think is the really exciting bit is if they can pull out a really big performance next week. It's um, it's there. It's complete. It's completely on. I, yeah, I'm, I'm, it... what, yeah, I'm way more excited than I ever anticipated being. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're all we're all feeling feeling great about it, aren't we? So. Yeah, as it's it's all about the Grand Slam, but I think at the same time, you know, the Welsh players, coaching staff, everyone involved has has given us all a massive lift, and it's super exciting. And and yeah, I'm 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 incredibly excited about this game. I think it's going to be a monster, and um, yeah, I'm intrigued to hear where uh, where you boys think we can uh, we can take them on. To be honest. I just question of my own. Yeah, got Murph. You've you've lived through more Welsh rugby misery than any of us. Um, <laughs> so th- this one really should be over to you. I, I'm just going to say, unless I've misread the table, I know everyone just wants the Grand Slam and 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 that's the end of it. But in reality, we might have to settle for just winning the championship. And to win the championship, France needs a maximum point, us and Scotland, because there's a nine point gap, I think. So uh, maybe I was looking at the table before today's game. No, I think you might be right, actually. In fact, the, the wonders of uh, modern technology, I might even get that up in front of me <laughs> now. To... But, the, you know, they need, to, they need a bonus point to us and then do the same to Scotland. And then they'd be on 20 and we'd be on, we'd be on 90. If we, get any, if we get any point out of France, like a losing bonus point or whatever kind of point out of it, uh, the championship's ours. And I mean, yeah, I'd rather a Grand Slam. 
But what I don't want to do is miss the Grand Slam and then lose the championship altogether as well. Mm. Call me old-fashioned. Yeah. You know, I don't you know. know like, I don't know. Like, I, <laughs> the triple crown. The triple crown is great, right? That that in a way would mean more to me than a championship earned on a bonus point. Yeah. Well, yeah, but you know, is this the same uh, thing almost, isn't it? The um, was it ninety-five? We lost. I think. Yeah, it was ninety. Away. It was ninety-five. We lost away at Twickenham and on the last see, day. You could see the t- players weren't happy at all. No. Uh, but then they went and lifted a trophy, and it, and in the record books, as, as I'm fond of saying. We won the championship in 1995, and no one remembers that we, on the last day, we balls up a grand slam. They just I remember think everyone remembers that, don't they? I definitely remember. Well, I've been heartbroken at that. We point. do, yeah, we yeah. do. But you know, as time goes on, whereas, whereas if you if you look at, I just think it's so different, like where you win, um, how you win a championship, because that 2013 one where we got hammered by Ireland on the opening day but pumped England when they turned up on the final day. I was only interested in stopping the slam. I was like, I don't think we'll win the title, but stop the slam. And that's as good as it. That's as good as a title win. And then to absolutely hump them yeah. by that level. I mean, that that is probably better than any of the Grand Slams. Uh, I mean, for, for a sheer well, because of on, the- one, on one day, I think that was that was as good as it gets. Because of the circumstances yeah. as well of England coming down here with a really... Uh, gung-ho successful side and, and I mean tons of fans turned up and they were all full of themselves and they just I can remember people I know who were English <laughs> were there and they were saying uh, <laughs> things like yeah but there's no fun if your team just don't turn up <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was good but going, going back to 95 it's not it's you know by all means we we, we Missed out on a grand slam, but that was our second trophy since my childhood. It was yeah. a, the '88 Triple Crown, the '95 yeah. Five Nations Championship. That's it. There was nothing else for me to to, to remember because I couldn't remember '78. That was my um, that was my first because I didn't remember '88, and, and it should have been brilliant, but it just didn't. There was there's something about you lose to you lose to England at Twickenham when it's all on the line, and it just doesn't. Yeah, it just doesn't feel nice at all, and no. and I think that's what it feel like next week. But if you particularly consider all the success that we've had, you know, in the last in the last few years, mm. um, I'll be celebrating this. I'll tell you that if we get this if we get this championship, I yeah, we got I'm going to break into my local pub. <laughs> <laughs> why does it? 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 Why does it sound like that's not the first time you've done it? <laughs> he knows exactly the loose window to Gemma. I think I could definitely get into the beer garden. Definitely. <laughs> With a crate from Tesco. We'll be yeah, filming yeah. next yeah. week. Murph will be in the garden. Then. <laughs> yeah. uh, Magic darts. Right what were we seeing? Uh, I don't know, but you were right. Uh, France, are, uh, France are nine points behind us. Ireland are eight points behind us. And who they got left to play, uh, England. So well, they've only got one game left, yeah. so they can't they, they can't catch us anyway. No, so. they can't. Yeah, exactly. Fair point. Um, anyway, right, we have got. Uh, let's let's take it on to that game against France. So this one came in from Gary Mason, aka Gasman Roy. Can Wales cope with a French flair, speed, and power? Dan, Whew, that's a big one, isn't it? Yes, I think we can. But we're going to need our tactics are going to have to be are going to have to be absolutely spot on, and I think there's a few areas really that we can um, that we can target the French side. So I think they're prone to making a f- making a few mistakes if we if we put up some contestable kicks. Um, but if we if we don't contest them, then it's. <laughs> They're, they're so dangerous, aren't they, with uh, with ball in hand that uh, it could well be game over from that point. So it's literally got to be ap- we, our kicking game's got to be absolutely on the money. Otherwise, yeah, they will they will turn they'll they'll turn us around. Um, I think our our, our driving line out is going to we we I've got we've really got to use that to frustrate them. I think if we can get them going backwards, get the forwards going backwards, get their backs going backwards as well. 
that'll have a big impact on the game. And I would be sending sending North and Jonathan Davis all all down the nine and ten channel, just really pumping them pumping them down that channel um, quite quite early on, just to try and rock rock them a little bit. Um, but they are they're sort of they're frighteningly powerful, aren't they? But then they're so <laughs> they're incredible out wide as well. So. It's going to be really difficult, but I do think there's some tactical things we could do. The kick, it, the kicks as well. The little little dinks over the top. There's there's quite a bit of space. The way in which, where the fullback sits is is a little bit irregular to how you know how some of the other fullbacks position themselves. So there's things definitely we can do. And I thought against England they made quite a few errors actually. I, um, while we're talking about while we're talking about fullbacks though, we've got to talk about Bruce Doolan against England I mean like I don't know what like he was incredible at certain points it was such a maverick performance it's like meters gained 78 clean line breaks three outrageous drop goal attempts one number of fucks given zero like the guy was just like I it seemed like you you could have told him to do anything during that game and he completely ignored it it's like someone to put Finn Russell's brain in him for that game um but again you don't want to be kicking loose to him no, no, you don't want to be kicking loose to him. But he, he's, you, you, I do think there's, there's, you can move him around. You can move him around a bit with a with a with a really sharp, a really sharp kicking game. Um, and I don't really think the. It was interesting to see the front when they were on the when on the back foot a little bit. They they did start to make some errors. They they, I think they struggled a little bit with the off you know, with the offloads, um, when England started offloading the game as well, they got, they got, they got quite a bit, um, quite a bit of yardage as well when England went out wide. Um, but we've really got to hold our depth, uh, hold our width, haven't we? Because they, they play it nice and tight and they, when they shift it wide, they, they move it really quickly. But um, it's an obvious one, isn't it? But so much of it, so much of it's around DuPont, isn't it? The way in which he, he sort of he feigns one way, then goes the other way. It's so 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 difficult to defend. Our back row, the back row have been so have been immense, and they are back row possibly you know well yeah best back row in the tournament. But they've got to they've got to they've got to do a real number on him. Uh, yeah, I mean you're right. I mean this this back row is, I mean th- those players individually are phenomenal. But when you see them click as a as a as a trio, I think we said it before. He's man of the match again yesterday, but. Navidi is so important because like we all know what brilliant players Tipperick and Falatau are and they are, you know, they can put in massive performances by themselves, but just having a six who does everything like Navidi, he gets through so many tackles. He can turn ball over. He carries like a bastard and he's so, so strong. Um, I, I don't know. I just, he's, he's so crucial to it, to everything Wales do. We look a different side with him in it. Yeah. It's going to be so important as well, isn't he? Against against France as well, isn't he? Because they're they're big, big ball carriers. He he tends to love the love the big guys, doesn't he? And so great that we he got through a load of minutes again, again yesterday. You know he's probably blowing he's blowing hard, isn't he? During those games, but you know that he'll just come through that. And yeah, I think a lot rides on him to be honest against against France. Um, and yeah, I'm just really interested to see what tactics we go with against them. It's going to be uh, going to be a fascinating one. Murph, any thoughts on what tactics will and should be employed against the French? No, I, I don't. I've got a clue how to approach them. I'll be honest. I, I think what I'm looking forward to is there's some amazing matchups in there, like uh, head-to-heads, if you like. Uh, so like George North is going to be facing back a tower. Yeah, that's going to. I don't want to get stuck in the middle of them. Um, both both sets of wingers, our our pair against their pair is hell of a matchup. Um, just all over the, I mean, uh, well, the best attacking nine in the world versus possibly the best defensive nine in the world on a day. So it, on his, you know, on his form of mm-hmm. last season, not not necessarily this season's form. So yeah, just a mental game. I don't know. Well, I mean, we, tactically, uh, England only just pulled it off at home. Obviously, they're not in their best form, but for, if England's only just beating you at Twickenham, uh, you're doing something right. And I thought I was, as a <laughs> as a massive French fan, 
yesterday. I was screaming for Entomac to come on in the second half. It didn't didn't change any of the backs. The whole, no. whole backline played the full game. And I thought <laughs> towards the end, um, Jalabert, great name by the way, Matthew oh, Jalabert, just sounds yeah. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Just sounds like it sounds like he be he was in the team in the eighties, doesn't he? Matthew <laughs> Jalabert. Like Carboneau and all the other ones. Uh, anyway, uh, you got to be sloppy. saying that about our names. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Murph. <laughs> yeah. Murph. Yeah. No one knows my <laughs> first name. Um, the. Uh, I know you. I know your first name. Well done. The, anyway, what was my point? Yes, Jalabert. He, he got a bit sloppy tactically, I thought, in the second late on, and whereas not that Entermac is an old dead by any means, but I think he would have been a bit wiser at the death because they, I mean, they were what were they? Uh, uh, four points up, five points up, four points up with minutes to go. And you, you just had to, I mean, you just had to put them in the corner and make them, make them score from 90, 90 meters out. And uh, I, I said this before we came on air, I'm still really surprised they didn't win that game. I thought that, you know, for all the, you know, the beautiful touches and the, the outstanding back moves and stuff like that, I thought they had them on toast at the breakdown. I thought, you know, there was some brilliant stuff, not just from the back row, but some of that counter-rucking from Penno was oh. just... And it wasn't just that Jeez. one incident. Like, I was like, that was... How strong is he? He's mm-hmm. so really, like, deceptively strong. Yeah, it's like real sort of innate power, isn't it? He's, he gets his body so low and he... It's the drive, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. the leg power coming through. He's and, he, and he's... What a finisher as well. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I just can't believe they, they, they couldn't quite close that out. But you're right, even just, even just bringing on fresh legs into that you know, like into that scenario, you think that if Unterback is fit, which he would be, he brings he brings you something else. But he's also mm-hmm. like he's not played that sixty minutes of rugby that um, the Jalabert has done. Yeah, I mean, it, they went with a six-two split like England do. So there was only mm-hmm. there was only a pair of halfbacks to come on. So maybe was maybe uh, Galtier was scared to use Intermac in case two seconds later a winger goes down injured. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's what put him off. But I thought it was just screaming off a, a, like an outside half with fresh instructions from the bench to get on and just. I know they didn't. I, I know they got a style of play and they're gonna they're gonna go for it. But you're away to Twickenham. You're away to England uh, and you're in front with a few minutes to go. Close the game, eh? Yeah, just just uh, stick it in the yeah. corner. I liked. Um... I thought Curry was was incredible. Um, he had his best again. game in an England shirt for quite yeah. a while, I think. He, yeah, I did because he, he's always he's always everywhere. But I I, I just thought there that was a different performance from him. His his carrying was great, wasn't it? And I, I they they he made a lot of yards, didn't he? Cut him back on some really clever some clever lines. So I wanted to ask you boys if you thought do you, do you think we can take him on up front? Really have a go at them up front. Um, it's not an obvious thing to I, say, but I don't want to get into an arm wrestle with them. Um, I think that our set pieces got better and better, and this, it looks like a really confident pack now. It looks settled and confident, and I think you're right. The, the areas I'd be looking to take them on up front would be driving line out, but I wouldn't want to be getting into an arm wrestle with them. I think we've just got to have our back row have a, a storming day at the breakdown, and but they've you know the individuals are in there to do it. Navidi and Cypriot can can do that. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to get into a complete slugfest up front. Well, it, it the weather over there, normally early spring, it would be nice in Paris and everything. So I, I would imagine it'll be a running open game. I can't see it being up the jumper. But um, but I think that's where kicking is so important is, you know, you've, you've got to play a really good, smart kicking game. You're right, Dan. Contestable kicks. Because again, we know like A, bigger can feel those like anyone in the world. And the back three that we're picking at the moment is really good under the high ball as well. All three of them can, you know, uh, resam it with his, with his sheer pace, can get up and challenge. Liam Williams is as good as anyone in the world under the high ball. Um, and uh, and Josh Adams, again, you know, played enough rugby at fullback and enough international rugby on the wing to, to really cause some problems there. So I think if we contest those, contest those kicks, then... That's where I can see us getting some good change and some good territory. Yeah, I'd like to think we could we could hopefully frustrate them if we keep it tight. So if we keep it if we keep it really tight, don't allow them to, you know, to play the play the game they want to play. Because they haven't really been 
they haven't been really been in that type of a game, have they? Where it's they've been really frustrated, and you just wonder whether we see a little bit of, you know, a little bit of more, more, more discipline coming through if they just can't get into it. If if we you know keep hold of the ball, you know, little short carries, just literally winding them up with everything we do. I, um, I think it's I think it's as important what we do when they've got the ball though, because that's the thing that's been so impressive for me actually is how much that hideous defence of the autumn has become a very well organised defence during the Six Nations, and I think that that's that's what's going to be so so key is if you can nullify some of that some of that threat, great line speed, great positional play, frustrate them, their offloads start going to the deck and not to hand. And you're right, you've got a really frustrated back line and a young back line and, and you're in their heads and you're completely in the game. But it's, yeah, it's it's fascinating, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's a big if, isn't it? Because it's, yeah, just if, if, if they didn't have DuPont, you, you, you just, it's just so much easier, isn't it? With, uh, <laughs> with, with you know, if you take him out, you know, that, <laughs> is there anything we can do there? But he, yeah, he is. The, 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 did you see that... Um, that run he had down the left-hand side where he was, you thought, right, he's going to be knocked into touch. The str- I know mm. we know how strong he is, but how on earth he stayed in and he shrugged off. I think it was it Wilson or it was a couple of English players anyway. And he was, he was I, I thought he was going to score he, and he went towards the line. I know it's been said, I think Murph, you said it a couple of weeks back, but the strength of the guy is something else as well, isn't it? I mean, we know what else he's got. He's just got the lot, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, can't, I mean, so much is going to be on our on our nine and ten, isn't it? In this game, and I did think bigger had a bigger had a cracking game on the, uh, for us in the ACT. I did, and I thought that pass in particular for uh, for Josh Adams to go over. That oh, was beautiful. I know it yeah. looked a little bit ugly because he had to take like an extra step to get to it. But again, if that was like Cipriani or or someone, you'd be everyone would be raving about that because it was it put it on a plate for him, and there was a lot to do. not on a plate, but it was it was perfectly executed pass, and and so I was, I was mighty impressed with uh, with bigger actually. Um, it's, a, it's a funny thing there with the coverage. I think it, Dan bigger threw that pass, and it was really impressive. And then the game, the the footage, the coverage just kind of moves on to the replay and the hmm. and the, uh, and the conversion and then back onto the game and it seems like if, if that was if that was Callum Sheedy or if that was uh, Owen Farrell it'd mm. be a long lingering close-up of the of mm. one of those boys after they'd thrown that yep. pass but because it's Dan Bigger and he, he we we know that he's an established international player and, and all the other stuff just kind of moves on the coverage kind of they don't really cover the fact that it was Dan Bigger throwing an amazing pass maybe I'm being I don't know no I've um, always thought it's a myth that that Bigger is just a kicking 10 and he's good in defense and he's good under the high ball like his um his basic skills and his service are really really good but so often we deploy him as a kicking 10 because he's he's very very good at that and it suited the game plan when he needs to and he gets front football he's done that you know he's done that a number of times, and you again you watch him for you watch him play for Northampton, and, and particularly when they're playing well, and he does that a lot more. It's a bit like you know, do you remember when Johnny Wilkinson first went over to Toulon, and he was taking the ball so much flatter, and you you just realised actually how good he was at distributing, you know, versus yeah. just, versus just kicking the ball and and the stuff that we that we knew him for, and and so I, I don't know, I just think he's he's just an under, I think he's a really underrated ten. Like when he when he goes, people will realise actually what. A, what a real top quality performer he was. Is yeah, totally agree. Great play. Win, win or lose, Dan. Win, lose or draw. Slam. Is it on? It's on. Slam. Murph. Is this our last question? No, we've got another one. I was going to bring. I'm going to bring the move down. The move down a bit. <laughs> uh, I'm obviously slam. I mean, but I'm. I'm re. I'm not confident at all. Well. Given that but this is this is the we're facing the, the rising squad in world rugby. That's what they are. It, like Martin jo- uh, was it Martin, who was covering? Yeah, I think Martin Johnson today, or someone who was on today's coverage. Maybe it was uh, Jamie Heaslip. Just said that give this side eighteen months, and, and uh, like is it, they're almost beating everyone now. But I think it was a bit of an experience yesterday. Maybe a couple of different things, uh, and they might be. I'm not going to say the dominant force because you've got you've got you've got the southern hemisphere sides, but I, I do they're, on, they're, they're onto something this side. I think I think they could we could well be looking at the 2023 World Cup winners, given that it's on home soil 
yeah I, I do think that and and given that that's what two and a half years away they'll have enough time to get to get that familiarity and that well, yeah, experience I mean, loads loads of the forwards were, were in the under 20 world cup in 2018 like the pack uh, on the bench and loads of them were in the side that won the under 20 world cup three seasons ago so i mean they're still babies in international terms and uh with a bit more development, I just think. Anyway, hopefully, hopefully next week they're still undercooked in terms of uh, international experience, and we can sneak a grand slam before France dominate for the next ten seasons. Yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> just before I make my prediction, I was um, I've got to that stage where every prediction I make, the opposite seems to happen. So for the first for the first week last week, I suggested that England were going to England were going to lose, and they won. So. Um, I'm going to say that uh, that France are going to win, <laughs> knowing full well, full well that the, the slam double is on. bluff, the old, the old double bluff that the <laughs> slam is on. Um, but it's not it's not the last question because I've got to bring things down. Um, we've had far too much fun on this because we haven't spoken about the Pro 14. Uh, but this question from Rugby 24/7: Thoughts on the Pro 16 moving to Sky Sports? Is it a good move? Now, again, this is a bit of speculation but according to uh, that trusted news source wales online they are front runners to get the coverage for the uh uh for the pro 16 next season uh anyone want to field uh, anyone want to field that one is this, you, isn't it? <laughs> is this a politics question i'm not sure if i want to pull it uh, uh go on dan i'm 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 throwing him throwing a Throwing a pass straight over to you, Jen. Oh. This is got you written on. Oh, jeez, this is this is like picking up a bobbling ball on your five yeah. five yards five yards from your own line, isn't it? I will um, if I have to. I will if I have to. <laughs> uh, is that a good thing? Uh, it's a good thing because it will be. Oh, look, it's better than Premier Sports for a number of reasons. One, I think it's an increased uh, it's an increased revenue deal from what I've seen, which is good because you need more money coming in. Two, people know p- people have Sky Sports, like you know, it's a thing. Pro uh, Premier Sports was like asking people to, you know, to go to the moon to watch it. It's you know, it was it was nuts. This the the coverage was fine, but the the on demand service was clunky. No one had ever heard of it. They did nothing to promote the game. At least Sky Sports are big enough that they can they could they can advertise it to their own audience of however many people have Sky Sports. You know, six six million people or whatever it is. So it's it's a positive in that regard. Uh, I'd you know I'd rather the BBC got it because it'd be free to air coverage for everyone. But at the moment, like this competition is not worth saving. Like you know the Pro 16, Pro 14, Rainbow Cup, whatever it is, is so crap that just get as much money out of it as you can until we can get a a good tournament for the Welsh sides to play in because it's rubbish. So you know what I mean. Like if we went back on BBC, I don't think all of a sudden everyone's going to be delighted and take a massive interest in Welsh regional rugby anymore it's not as simple as that so I, I think actually the, the best solution is to get it on an established network like Sky get a bit more money for it and um, and hope that some interest yeah and hope the sides start playing well and we can have a bit more interest in it in fairness I mean they they haven't got any rugby coverage now aside from this season's Lions tour whatever it is they haven't got uh, the Southern Hemisphere stuff they haven't got the English league so uh, they were doing top 14 for a while when they that's gone so um, yeah, I mean, again, they, they're good at uh, promoting a game, so it could end up being good for us. Uh, before, before I, before we wrap up, I just uh, I got to mention I missed Roberto Duran when I was talking about boxing, <laughs> and also I've gone through the whole episode without getting anyone's name wrong, unless we listen tomorrow and realise I got some names wrong. But that's just what I wanted to finish. Yeah, what a t- what a time to what a time to pull it. How long have you been sat on that for? I had to wait to the end to see I haven't got any names wrong because I got one wrong in the last two seconds. There's a minor um, there's a minor steward's inquiry that you said Carbono Carbono yeah. played in the 80s. Oh Carbono, I remember playing. I don't know whether he was an 80s player or not, but that would be a minor, mate. You'd get away with that. You'd well, his era is one thing, his name was correct. Is <laughs> that yeah. Dan? Anything uh, anything more to add before we wrap up? No, nothing on that. I mean, I think you, you, you covered it. But yeah, I think it's definitely a positive, isn't it? Premier, you know, Premier. But I, I had it and uh, I still couldn't find it. 
Yeah, I mean, Dan, that's that is not saying a great no, thing. No, no, fair yeah. enough. Yeah, actually, I have yeah. had the, the occasional distressed phone call from you going, you know, <laughs> explaining how to put BT Sport Two on. Yeah, yeah, you've had many of them. Haven't you? I think I've had to come round on a few occasions. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, I, it's definitely a better thing. I can't. I can't say that because yeah, it's definitely definitely better than where it was, isn't it? But um, yeah, we're uh, while we're on it though, Premier Sports are still in between the um in between the, the Pro 14 games at the moment, are still promoting this Rainbow Cup, saying come in in April. Like, is this is this actually on then? Like, because the season ends in a couple of weeks, isn't it? So, God knows. Like, like are we actually expecting to be hosting South African sides over here or, or what? It can't be happening, surely. It's, it's got implications for the Lions Tour if there's an outbreak in one of those teams. Um, not that they couldn't all be fixed again by, by no, the but in getting with summer, case, but still, you know, maybe it's easier then. Maybe, maybe, in fact, that's part of it is if they come over here where it's a lot easier to because infection rates are getting so low here and there's a, and there's a vaccine that's that's getting that's making that even lower. If you're going to have the Lions tour over here, maybe it makes sense to have them over here and just mm. play all of their games in. Um, in the British Isles or in the UK. Does the timeline roll into the Lions though? I don't think it does. No, it, no, it doesn't, but there's a lot of South African players getting rugby that if they don't, they won't get they won't get that they won't get those games, will they? And they're good, they're they're playing for the good teams as well, not the cheaters and the kings. Mm. So yeah. um so yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised to see that actually. I don't know, maybe maybe it will happen, it'll all happen over here and then it'll bleed into the Lions, which I think will also happen over here. Yeah. I'm scared to say anything else now because I break my duck. <laughs> <laughs> I was really hoping you'd get like Roberto Duran's name wrong or something. I, I, it's always Duran Duran is his name. Yeah, I was, was going to say it's always tempted to call him Roberto Duran. Duran. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's the end of that. No more names. <laughs> there we go. Good stuff, lads. Uh, really thoroughly enjoyed that. Excellent chat. Um, I mean, God, this time next week we'll be we'll be talking about. We'll know. We'll know whether it's happened or not. Um, but yeah, get in touch with us with your questions throughout the week. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at Attacking Scrum. Big thanks to the Mighty Murph. Big thanks to Daniel Killick, and a big thanks to our sponsors at the uh, at the Attacking Scrum at So Coffee Trades. If you want to get your hands on some great quality coffee, as I probably need to do to sharpen up a bit, you can do that at SoCoffeeTrades.co.uk. We'll be back with Grand Slam slash Disappointment Reaction, depending on which way it goes next week. Thanks for listening. Podcast Network.